0: Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to conclude fairly rapidly, wrapping up the emphasis of this morning, and then turn to this issue of our being alert. Our being alert. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. With all prayer and petition... Pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert <clears throat> with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. We saw this morning that <clears throat> this aspect, if you whittle down everything there in our first participle <clears throat> to be praying, in our second participle, being on the alert, but be praying in the Spirit. We took a look at what that meant. And basically what it means is, is that we're to be praying in agreement and on behalf of the will of God. That is the revealed mystery. In our prayers, we don't always know exactly the detail that we ought to be praying about any particular subject. But we do know the overarching purposes of God, not only for ourselves, but also for other people. It is God's desire that people are justified, right? And it is God's desire that people are sanctified in the truth as it is in Jesus Christ. And we can pray along those lines and in agreement with God's eternal purpose. And really, Paul's praying for them model this purpose. and So we'll be taking a look at that here in just a few minutes, but when you look at it, he is praying all in conjunction with God's eternal purposes. And we noted also this morning <clears throat> that the Spirit and the Word are in union. They are, as it were, joined at the hip. The the Word acts by the Spirit, and the Spirit moves by the Word. The Spirit illumines our understanding, and it is the understanding of the Word that forms the image and the content of our praying for one another. So they are in union with each other, and they're not in contradiction to each other. They don't act against each other, but they are in union, and we are to be praying in the Spirit. Secondly, you'll notice here in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, is that we are to pray at all times in the Spirit. In other words, every season of life in the life of a church or an individual believer, we must maintain our praying for the church and for each other. And this is to be happening how frequently? All times. Or we could could just word, King James translation in Thessalonians, we are to be praying without, without ceasing. We are to be at prayer at all times Praying in the Spirit. And this refers to all kinds of praying. And you'll see that in verse 18. With all prayer and petition in every season of the life of a church or a believer, we're to maintain our praying. Now the word prayers here in verse 18, prayer, is a general term for just general request for the life of the church or an individual member. Whereas the word petitions, that has a sense of urgency about it. And some people have worded it this way, they are urgent requests of immediate need. And folks, we know all about that, right? We can pray in general for our congregation, and then every now and then, there are these immediate needs where there has to be given Attention by petition to the Lord to intervene. So, here's what we know. We're to be praying in the Spirit. We're to be praying at all times in the Spirit. And, if you'll notice here in verse 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and then look at the end of verse 18, For who? All the saints. Everybody see that word, all the saints. Now this command to be praying and to be alert for all the saints certainly does not negate our praying for any individual. But Paul did not say for one another, he said, for how many? All the saints. All the saints. I liken it to this. <clears throat> in First Timothy, it tells the church, first of all, prayers and supplications be made for all men, for kings, and all in authority. Everybody hear that? Okay. Now just in your mind, I want you to start counting how many authorities are you aware of. Okay, let me just name. How about the president? How about Congress? How about the governor? How about the police? How about pastors, husbands? Can we keep going? All right. Now, here's my point How are you going to pray for all authorities? How many House of Representatives are there? How many in the Senate are there? In other words, if if you took this as meaning one another as individuals, you're you're never what? You're you're never finished. Now, should we pray for people individually? Yes. Yes. But I think what Paul is referring to here when he says praying for all saints is that he is saying to be praying for the church as a whole. Now why would I say that? Well, do we have examples of Paul asking prayer for individuals? We do. In fact, here in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, he tells the church to pray for him. Does he not? So we do pray for individuals. We know from other passages he would mention praying for someone who was sick, near to death, but God had mercy on him and raised him up. We do pray for individuals, but I think here he is saying to be praying for the church corporately. Do we have... Illustration of him praying something corporately for the church. Well, you know the answer to that is yes, because we're here in the Book of Ephesians, and we have two prayer requests, the two prayers that are given by the Apostle Paul, and therefore the whole, therefore the whole church. So let's just look at them. Go back to Ephesians one. <clears throat> And look at verse 15. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you, while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe." Now let me just ask you this question. Would this prayer be appropriate for any single believer in the church at Ephesus? But would it not be, okay, I'm praying for Bill, and I pray the prayer. I'm praying for Jill, and I pray the prayer. I'm praying for little Johnny, and I pray the prayer. Wouldn't it be more appropriate to pray the prayer for the whole, the whole church, and when we pray for the whole church, we're praying for each individual member of that corporate congregation. Does everybody understand that? Do individual believers have specific needs? Yes, and we can be praying for those, But there are needs, overwhelming needs, that come upon the whole assembly. And this is one of those overwhelming needs that the Father of Glory would give to the church as a whole a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That is true for every member of that local church body. And folks, you've got to remember that we're talking about New Testament times when he says, pray for all the saints. Well, you think about today. How long would it take you to pray for all the saints? Well, if you're in a bigger church, it would take you a long time just in a bigger church, right? Let alone everyone you knew. But here Paul's praying for that specific congregation. And folks, realize that in the New Testament days, there was a genuine, local, geographical nature of that church. They did not have phones. They didn't have television. There was no media ministry that was going on. It would take weeks, if not months, for a letter to get from one place to another just to even notify you about specific details, let's say, that was going on at the Church of Jerusalem. So when he tells this church, now you be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and petition for all the saints, you've got to sit there and think that the all the saints are the ones where in that local New Testament assembly. Or if you look at Ephesians chapter 3, here we have the other prayer that Paul prays. And as I read this, just think to yourself, isn't this appropriate for every individual member in that church? Verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. How appropriate and how needful is that for every believer, regardless of their maturity, regardless of how long they've been walking with the Lord? We need that strengthening, do we not? And so, folks, when you pray that, you certainly can pray this for people individually. I'm not, I'm not taking away from that at all. I'm not advocating, Lord bless the missionary type of prayer. But I am advocating that we pray with understanding and that there are prayers that need to be prayed for the whole assembly together because they are applicable to every individual member of of that local New Testament assembly. And there are times where those are just our general requests, like what Paul's praying here. And there are times when there needs to be urgent requests of need in agreement with God's purposes going up for the whole congregation. That really is an amazing comfort, isn't it? Do you think Jesus Christ prays for the body of Christ? And do you think that He prays individually for you? The answer to that is yes, on both of those accounts. So we're to be praying in the Spirit, how frequently, all times, with what kind of prayers, all types of prayer and petition... And we're to do it for all the saints. Now, we have a second participle here that we need to be engaged in. And that is, we are to be alert. We are to be alert. What are we being alert to? Well, we are being alert to the fulfillment of God's revealed mystery in every member of that local New Testament assembly. In other words, we're not necessarily alert to their poverty or their wealth, although we certainly can meet the need of the poor. We're not merely alert to people massaging their own emotions about things, although certainly at times we need to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who what? Rejoice. But this is specifically being on alert to see the fulfillment of God's revealed mystery in every New Testament church and every member of a New testament church it's not an issue of us just looking around and trying to see where people are deficient or judging what other people have done or not done this is an alertness for our holiness and blamelessness and our growth in those things and folks that is One of the responsibilities of an under-shepherd. I want to look at several passages here because what we'll note is is that our Lord specifically coupled together prayer and alertness in union. So, I want us to turn first to Hebrews chapter 13, and then we'll turn back to the words of Christ in the Gospels. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Now, I want us to note verse 17. Here's the admonition. Here is the command. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they, I'm going to use our Greek word here, for they keep alert over your souls as those who will give an account everybody hear that? One of the qualifications and responsibility of an under-shepherd is that he models this alertness that the whole church is supposed to have for one another and that he exercises that alertness in connection with the sheep that God has placed him over. That is amazing. And folks, if they're being alert, now remember what they're being alert for. For the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose in every individual believer under His shepherding in that local New Testament church. If that is what He is alert for and that elder or pastor comes and points out something to you either individually or here we are corporately, right? I'm speaking to the whole church. What should be our response? Obey it. (laughs) And arrange yourself under it. Amen? Because that's what he's alert to. Whether you or I see it or not. And so this gives to us a living illustration of what our Lord means when He says, being alert, continually be alert for how many of the saints? All the saints, the whole church. And of course, He says here in Hebrews 13, verse 7, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep alert or keep watch over your soul's as those who will give an account. And they want to give this account with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for who? Not not for the elder, but for you, the one that he is watching over, he's keeping alert over. Now let us take our Bibles again and turn back to the four books of the Gospel Mark chapter 14. And here we're going to see our Lord connecting these two things together. (coughs) Mark chapter 14. The context here is the Garden of Gethsemane. In verse 32, they came to a place named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And of course, you know, our Lord goes off and he prays. And he comes back, verse 37, and he found them what? Sleeping. And said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Could you not be alert to not go to sleep for one hour? Verse 38, here's our word. Keep alert. Keep watching and praying. Now what are they to be on alert for here? Temptation. Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here in this passage, verse 38, is our Greek term, translated watching. Keep alert and praying. What would be the opposite? What would be not keeping alert? Sleeping. Now folks, when do people sleep? Now I'm speaking generally and normally. At night time. They sleep in the dark. Saints walk in the light. So they should keep awake, alert. And they should keep alert and praying here in this context that we may not come into temptation. Temptation is so subtle, isn't it? And of course, you know in our Lord's model prayer, He says, lead us not into temptation. Go a chapter back in the book of Mark and go to Mark chapter 13 toward the end of that chapter and look at verse <clears throat> 33. Take heed, keep on the alert, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. And of course, here he's talking about his second coming. Live our life alert. In light of his what? His coming. Be alert, take heed. Verse thirty four, it's like a man away on a journey, who upon leaving his house and putting his slaves in charge, assigned to each one his task, and also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert. Different Greek term, meaning the same thing. To be alert, to be awake. Verse thirty five, therefore be on the alert. Verse thirty-seven: What I say to you, I say to everyone: Be on the, be on the alert. All those other words translated "alert" is a different Greek term, versus what we see here in verse thirty-three. But they all mean: Don't fall asleep. Stay alert, awake, because we don't know when he's what, he's coming. And he says, I'm saying this to all believers and unbelievers. In Luke chapter 21, we have our last reference here Luke 21 and verse 34. Be on guard. So that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of all the earth, but keep on the alert at all times, next word, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of God. So folks, is prayer and being alert tied together? Yes. And most of the time it's used in connection with the second coming. And of course, we don't know when the rapture of the church is going to take place. We don't know... That moment where we're going to stand before him at the beam of judgment. So we need to be what? We need to be alert. Alert to what? That his eternal purposes are being accomplished within the church and each individual member. Because we're going to stand before him one day. And he's looking for fruit, he's looking for fruit. He's not going to look for what position you got in the world. He's not going to look for how much money you've made. He's not going to look for how much you have in your retirement. He's not going to look for any of that. He's looking for divinely given fruit. Conformity into the very image of Jesus Christ. And folks, we, I think that we have a mistaken notion about ourselves that that we are better than Peter. His spirit was what? Willing. But His flesh was weak. And we understand all that. But folks, sometimes we're not alert to this in our own lives, and we're not alert to this in the lives of the people that we talk to. We have other aims when we're talking to people. But we need to be praying all the time for the church with all prayer and petitions And we need to be constantly on the alert with what kind of spirit? Perseverance. And we've seen this word, right? Petition. Folks, when you're like a watchman on the wall and your eyes are combing the terrain for the enemy... When the enemy, when you see the enemy approaching, what does the watchman do? He alerts. Does he do it with just general, casual praying? Or is there an urgency about it? There's an urgency about it. And folks, we can pray in general one for another, but... There are times, and they are too frequent, I must confess. There are times when we see, either in ourselves or someone else in the church, a movement away from God's eternal purpose. That's the time, right? To constantly be on alert, like a under-shepherd is. To lift up prayers, of petitions to the Lord. And we know there's other passages that say we might even have to what? We might have to go to that person and say, look, you're in danger. This is what our alertness is to be. And folks, it's going to take Persistence for you to do this. It's going to take perseverance. I suppose in my life, this area has been the most difficult. I have prayed for people. And my wife has prayed for people. We just talked about this this afternoon. I brought it up at the dinner table. We have noted things, we have lifted them up before the Lord, prayed for them, and they gradually move away. It's like the more you pray for them, the more they move away. Now, let me give you some encouragement. That's how you know the Lord's answering your prayer. But because so many do that, it can be a discouragement and a weariness about being on alert. You can actually get to the place where you say in your heart, what's the use? Now, I am sure that you've been there. I know I've been there. (laughs) This is going to take persistence on behalf. Now, remember, he's he's not addressing this to the pastors. He's not addressing this to any particular individual. He's addressing it to the whole what? To the whole church. To be persevering to be persistent in this and in the life of ourselves as a whole and individually as believers. Now folks, that means that we can pray for our church in general in a lot of ways. We can pray for the Word of God to be How many of us need that? Every one of us need that. We can pray for our church to be matured. How many of us need that? We all need that. We can pray for the whole church to be strengthened in our inner man. How many of us need that? We all need that. We can pray for our growth in sanctification. We can pray for our humility. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Don't we need more grace? You say well we need more grace. Well what that means is we need to be more humble. And as the movie, old movie says, we are all even as born again believers, we're just proud critters. We're just prideful people. We can pray for doctrine to abound. We can pray for the whole church in the area of our prayerfulness. We can pray for our whole church that we would have proper speech. That we would have sound music. That we would have a spirit of submission. That we would know the will of God. I mean, folks, you can just comb through just this book And you can come up with so many things to pray for. I don't know. I'm making this up. You probably could pray for one thing every day for 365 days of the year. And would we need it? We would need it. We can pray for one another's stability. And, folks, you know what it takes to be stable. Doctrine. Doctrine brings stability. <clears throat> Those who are unstable are swayed by every wind of doctrine. So to move from instability to stability demands doctrine. And not just the knowledge of the doctrine, but the wisdom of the doctrine. This is what Paul prays in Ephesians 1, that we would be given a spirit of wisdom and knowledge. This is what Hebrews chapter 5 talks about. When it says, you know, you ought to be teachers... But you're like children. A mature person knows how to exercise. Not just he knows the information, he knows how to what? He knows how to use it in his own life and the ministry that the Lord gives to him. This is what we need. Now, folks, when we see specific needs of this in specific individual lives, then we can pray that individually. Right? But these are requests that can be made for all the saints and that God would be well pleased to do that. I want to close by taking everything that I've said to you and just seeking to exhort you in this. Really to exhort all of us in this. I don't think that you can walk away from Ephesians 6.18 without some measure of understanding That our identity is wrapped up in the body of Christ. That the church is to be on our lips constantly in prayer. Not just the pastor. All of us. I liken it to the Old Testament priest Do you remember on his breastplate, he had the twelve what? The twelve tribes of Israel. He bore on his heart the twelve tribes of Israel continually. And Jesus Christ bears on his heart as our high priest the body of Christ continually. And God allows us to participate in this priesthood in a very small way when we bear on our blessed plate our individual church that we belong to. Now, that may... Sounds strange to your ears in a culture that stresses individuality. But I think a little thought will let you see that this is godliness, that this is Jesus Christ. I wrote this, the church is to be written as stones on the priestly breastplate for our constant prayer and alertness. Corporately and individually. Now brethren, we, we all fail in this. Can we agree with that? Not one of us is doing it like our great intercessor. But we have to acknowledge that we are immature in this in order for us to grow in this. There are believers who struggle to pray. There are some believers who Only pray according to what they see with their natural eyes. There are some believers who only pray for themselves. There are some believers who only pray pray generically. There are some believers who only pray for individuals as the needs come up. There are some believers who only pray for their families. Well, folks, I want to remind you that if, you're, if you have a family, they're in the church. <laughs> so if you're praying for the church as a whole, you're what? You're praying for your family. If you're praying the right things. Some believers just pray whatever comes into their minds. And there's no scriptural content to it at all. But folks, we we are to pray with understanding. Do we hear that? You understand the eternal purpose of God. You understand what drove Paul to make known this mystery to Jew and Gentile. You know that that's what motivated Him. That that's what sustained Him. He has given to us the overarching eternal purpose of God that there would be a group of people who will stand before His Son as the firstborn and that we will stand before Him and the Father blameless and in holiness. We know that, right? So let's pray for the church and for one another with that proper understanding. We should not pray like babies babbling. Now when you're a real baby... We all think that's cute. Right? You have a baby in your arms, newborn baby, several weeks old, and the baby's like, blah, 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 blah. Oh, that is so cute. I know exactly what they're saying. You don't. But that's not cute for a 50-year-old. That's not cute for someone who's been saved for a small length of time. And folks, sometimes I think, and I'm going to speak foolishly, and I'm speaking from 1 Corinthians 14, I think sometimes we pray to God in languages unknown to Him. He doesn't understand what we're praying for. We pray sickly prayers. We pray prayers to consume upon our own lust. We pray prayers sometimes that are just plain wicked. We're babbling. Let's grow up. And I'm talking to everyone. Me included. Let's grow up. And pray with an understanding of God's eternal purposes. And let's be alert for this in our own lives, in our families, and at our employment. Let's be alert for this, for the whole body of Christ that God has immersed you into. Brethren, with all prayer and petition, be praying at all times in the Spirit with this in view, being on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Let's pray together.